This week, in episode 68 of Diary with Senior Geek, if this was a TV drama about the U.S. government, this is the episode where the president would have had no choice but to resign. Hi there, this is Gary. Welcome to episode 68 of Diary of a Senior Geek. This episode was recorded on September 10th, 2020. Reminder, as of last week, I'm splitting the journal, family history, and the quote of the week segments into a companion podcast called Tales of a Senior Geek. You can find it on Spotify and at anchor.fm slash seniorgeek49, all one word. Let's get started with the diary here, with some news and opinion. What fresh hell is this? In our mandatory COVID-19 report, according to the University of Washington's IHME model, the one I always use, in the U.S., COVID-19 deaths are up to over 190,000 and projected to reach more than 410,000 deaths by the end of the year unless something changes. With universal masking, the total deaths could be in the 2000 uh, or in the 288,000 range, saving over 120,000 lives. Or if everyone says the hell with it and stops social distancing and wearing masks outside of the home, we're looking at looking we're looking at 620,000 COVID-19 deaths by the year's end. I don't recommend this. This doesn't count the folks who recover from COVID-19 but have new health issues caused by the virus that will negatively affect them for the rest of their lives. So, until this is over, don't share your air. Wear a mask when near people you don't live with to protect both you and them. Social distance as much as possible. It's up to you. As usual, if you want to see where I get my numbers, there's a link to the IHME COVID-19 model projections in the episode notes. In other news... Paul, I need to be careful here, Paul Rusesabagina, nailed it, the man credited with saving 1,200 lives by allowing people to shelter in his hotel uh, during the attempted genocide in Rwanda in 1994, has been imprisoned in Rwanda and will be tried for terrorism. Rwandan President Paul Kagame has accused Rusesabagina of heading a group of terrorists, it's unclear how Rusesa Begina arrived in Rwanda. He has not lived there since 1996, and he's a citizen of Belgium and has a U.S. permanent residence permit. Rusesa Begina's family believes he was kidnapped during a visit to Dubai. Kagami said, quote, What if someone told you that he brought himself, even if he may not have intended it? You'll be surprised how he got here. He was not kidnapped or hoodwinked. His coming to Rwanda has more to do with himself than anybody else. Kagami went on to say, There was no kidnap in the process of bringing Rosessa Bagina here. It was actually flawless. And then he said, When the time comes, he will tell the story himself. But he let himself here. Does this kind of word salad rhetoric remind you of anybody? Next, last week, The Atlantic magazine reported that President Trump has been extremely disrespectful to U.S. military personnel, both publicly and privately. The story 
was corroborated by four anonymous sources who claim that Trump has referred to American Marines who died in World War I as suckers and losers. His disdain for Senator John McCain's military records in the public record, and the story of his disdain for American Marines in World War I, was almost immediately corroborated by other news networks, including Fox News, interestingly enough. It certainly sounds like something President Trump would say, given his past behavior. But I'm uncomfortable with a story with no corroborating evidence other than anonymous sources. I challenge the folks who provided this information to The Atlantic and the other news organizations to come forward and go on the record. Speaking of which, after I wrote this yesterday, I watched the news last night, and it appears that our president... Donald J. Trump, self-described stable genius, allowed Bob Woodward of the Washington Post to record 18 phone inter interviews with him earlier this year. My understanding is that he would call Bob Woodward late at night from the residence with nobody else in the room, so nobody knew what he was saying. During these interviews, President Trump told Woodward how dangerous COVID-19 was and how easily it spread. He did this in February 2020. In other words, Donald Trump knew exactly how dangerous and contagious COVID-19 was from the very beginning, and then he went on television and lied to the American people about it for months, while the virus continued to spread more rapidly than any other country we know about. The United States of America has 4% of the world's population and about 25% of the known COVID-19 cases. Even if you factor in the fact that countries lie about their caseload, looking at you, Russia and China, and there are countries who don't have the resources to accurately track their cases, this is not a good statistic. Trump claims he was showing leadership and trying to keep folks from panicking. If he had followed up with a national order for mitigation and resource allocation, that would have made sense, but he didn't. As Rachel Maddow said last night on her show, if this was a TV drama about the U.S. government, this is the episode where the president would have had no choice but to resign. With all due respect, Mr. President, it's time for you to resign. It was time for you to resign before you took office. You do not have the temperament, the competence, the empathy, or the brains to be the president of the United States, in my humble opinion. So just go. Ask Pence to pardon you. Because everything's fine. Last week, I talked about the third of seven fundamentals of good conversations as detailed in the book, How to Have Impossible Conversations, a very practical guide by Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay. We've covered goals, partnerships, and rapport. Today, we're talking about listening. Briefly, during the conversation, look at the person you're talking to and move your body to face them. Nod to acknowledge that you understand. Listen authentically fully engage. If you both start to talk at once, allow your partner to continue. Then listen. Be authentic about it. Don't try to keep in mind what you're about to say. Allow the conversation to go where it will. Pause. This will give you a chance to understand your partner's reasoning while giving them space to collect their thoughts. It helps build trust and rapport. If there's something you don't understand, place the burden of understanding on yourself. Remember, it's possible to understand a concept without agreeing with it. If something distracts you, turn your back to it or point it out to your partner. 
This music is very loud and it's distracting me. Is it distracting you? This helps strengthen your bond with your partner. If you detect fear, frustration, anger, outrage, or disgust, pay attention to the specific words your partner is using. Then acknowledge the expressed feelings or feelings as soon as possible. Say something like, I hear that. I understand your frustration. Or whatever. Again, I'm just hitting the high points here. There's a lot, lot more in the book. I still recommend that you pick it up and read it. As always, there's a link to it in the show notes. Once again, the name of the book is How to Have Impossible Conversations, A Very Practical Guide. Remember that unless you've been doing this for a long time or you just have a natural talent for it, it's likely you're going to screw up. Like any skill, having difficult conversations takes a lot of practice. If a conversation goes south, try to end it as politely as possible and thank the person for their time and promise yourself that you will do better the next time. Next week, we'll talk about a fundamental called shoot the messenger. Hint, you're the messenger. This whole podcast is me being a messenger, but this isn't a conversation, it's a podcast. Eh. I have a few more points I want to talk about. First off, I keep hearing folks saying something like, I think liberals, Democrats, the left, etc. hate this country and want to destroy it. I can't speak for anyone else, so I'll speak for myself. I'm a lifelong liberal Democrat. I kind of experimented with libertarianism for a while, but it didn't really fit that well, especially after it was taken over by the right. The mission statement of the Libertarian Party seems to have shifted way right from where it was when I was registered as a Libertarian. Anyway, in the late 60s and early 70s, I was a draft avoider and a Vietnam War protester. I was called unpatriotic then, but my friends and I saw ourselves as patriots attempting to keep our country from going down the wrong path, a very violent path that led to the deaths of a lot of people. Over 50,000 U.S. dead in Vietnam, and uh, the the death toll in Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, etc., was actually in the millions, or around one million, as I recall. So I ask you, is there anyone who, in hindsight, thinks the Vietnam War was a good idea? Maybe you do. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I invite you to come on this podcast. We'll have a conversation about it. I can try my new uh, conversational skills and probably blow it. Won't that be fun? I think it would. Just contact me. Since we haven't really covered the shoot the messenger fundamental for conversations, and since this isn't really a conversation as a podcast, here's a message for you. It's possible to have many points of view on the best path for our great country while disagreeing on what the path actually is. I prefer a path of compassion, understanding, consensus building, and compromise. I think that, in general, all Americans agree on many more things than we disagree on. For instance, as far as I know, there's nobody who doesn't want easily accessible, clean air and water, nutritious food, also easily accessible, affordable housing, and health care, and good-paying jobs for everyone in our country. I mean everyone in our country. 
Again, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Contact me. Maybe we can get together for a conversation on Discord or some other social media streaming service. Once again, I digress. So, assuming we do agree on most things, we just need to figure out how to come together and work on the stuff we agree on and make some progress on that. Then, maybe we can do our best to hammer out a compromise or consensus on those things we disagree on. I'm sure it's possible. And I don't think guns need to be involved. So, after all that, I still have a couple more things I want to talk about this week. The first is systemic racism. When people talk about systemic racism, they're not calling you specifically a racist. They're saying that for a whole bunch of reasons, the system in this country is set up so that white, cis, straight men have a built-in advantage. More on how that came about later. When you're one of the privileged, it's very hard to see the privilege. It took me the better part of six decades to understand how differently people of color, especially those of African heritage, are treated in this country. It took some very moving and honest conversations with my, quote, one black friend that I worked with in my old company. Reading books like Lovecraft Country and others by non-white authors also gave me a small window into what it's like to be something other than white in today's and um, 1950s and 60s United States of America, but I'm specifically talking about today's America right now. For instance, imagine if red and blue lights in your rearview mirror made you fear for your life rather than fearing that you might have to pay a fine. That's what I'm talking about today, not 50 years ago. It's very difficult to be aware of and then give up a privileged position. It's like water to a fish. Those of us lucky enough to have the right genetics swim through life without even seeing the privilege. It's like we were born on first base, and we assumed that we had a single. Donald Trump, by the way, I think was born on third base and assumes he hit a triple. If we give up the privilege and level the playing field, we might just have to work a little harder to accomplish our goals. I don't like that any more than you do, but it's only fair. Finally, Really, this is the last thing before the joke of the week. I want to talk to you about the 1619 Project, because it's related to what I was just talking about. And some folks are really up in arms about it. I haven't yet looked at most of the material in the 1619 Project, but from what I've heard about it, it appears to be an attempt to correct some of the whitewashing of American history by, quote, placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the United States national narrative. I took that right off their website. I promise to take a closer look at it before next week's episode. And I just discovered it's behind a paywall. Eight bucks a month to subscribe to the New York Times. I probably wouldn't need more than a month's subscription, but... Anyone want to chip in a few bucks at patreon.com slash seniorgeek? The 1619 Project is ongoing, so it's likely to change over time, hopefully for the better. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It can be very painful to discover that the things you were taught in school might not have been t entirely accurate, especially when it reflects badly on your ancestors. From what I can tell, 
1619 project is not intended to divide the country, as some have claimed. The intention is to set the record straight so that our beloved country can continue in its long, long journey to a, quote, more perfect union, unquote, that includes everyone as equals, not just straight white males with Western European genetics who were born in this country. Until almost everyone in this country understands that black lives matter, and Hispanic lives matter, etc., it will not be possible for all lives to matter. Damn, that was work. I hope this all makes sense. I think I'll get a beer, but first, a joke. Uh, that's great. Listen, you're a real hoot. Joke. I bought some shoes from a drug dealer. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day. No fake commercial this week. I've gone on too long already. There's lots of things I'm planning on talking about in future episodes. For instance, I want to detail exactly what communism, socialism, libertarianism, conservatism, and any other political philosophies I come across are, including whatever the heck philosophy the Republican Party seems to be following right now, because it doesn't look like conservatism to me. But maybe that's just me and how they fit into the current political spectrum in the U.S. This will very likely be split over several episodes. Ah! Did you know you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash seniorgeek? Two bucks for a month's worth of weekly episodes on two different podcasts. I think that's a pretty good deal. Mics and mixers and editing software aren't cheap. Neither are subscriptions to the New York Times. I can use all the help I can get. The Patreon link is in the show notes. If you can't pledge, I fully understand. Just tell everyone you know how great this podcast is, and rate it five stars in whatever app you use to listen to it. If these podcasts take off, I have some ideas for adding tiers with premiums. For now, all I can offer is my eternal gratitude if you pledge. That's it for this week. Wash your hands and don't share your air. Wear a face mask and social distance when you're out and about. Be kind. Remember that Black Lives Matter. Send me feedback at SeniorGeek49 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you, especially if you disagree with me. Are you mad that I got rid of the fake commercial and the bloopers? Let me know. And look for my new companion podcast, Tales of a Senior Geek, at anchor.fm slash SeniorGeek49 and on Spotify. See you next week. Okay, and then, uh, all right, so... Um